2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
3: you're listening to football full circle with joe Lisi and ben stevens We are live right here, starting a new week on Football Full Circle, all a part of the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. He is Joe Lisi. He is the mastermind of the college football pigskin, the pigskin in general. And, Joe, that's where we will begin. First, a happy belated Father's Day to you, my friend. Great to see you out there in the Chicago Bulls jersey yesterday. Looking good, (laughs) looking strong for these summer months. I hope you had a really great week. Ken Lee, seeing a great Father's Day.
4: Oh yeah, right. I caught a little golf too, Ben. Watching the uh, oh. PGA uh, US, uh, What was it? PGA Open Championship. The, the, I don't US, Open, know. Joe. the U.S. Open. The 2023
3: U.S. Open or yeah. National Championship? Yep, there you yep, go.
4: Yep, yep, yep. Uh, uh-huh. I was at the beach too, Ben. But you know what? Yeah, I, I tweeted out we're less than 73 days away from the start of the college football season, and and to me that's what really matters, right? Especially the college game, NFL. We got training camps opening, hopefully within. Uh, a couple of weeks, right, in mid-July, and then, and then that's it. It's full bore ahead uh, for for the week one of both the college and NFL season. And there's nothing better than than football. I'll say it right here, right now. You get your work in in the off-season to prepare yeah. for the great season ahead. So this is this is what it's all about, baby. It is certainly what it is all
3: about. Lisa Guy taking in the U.S. Open, knowing it's the U.S. Open, the third major yeah. championship of the year, Wyndham Clark victorious. But, Joe, this is FFC, baby. We're focusing on the football here. You mentioned college football. As of yesterday, 69 days, nice, away from the start of a 2023 college football season, which means today, 68 days. We are just nine Saturdays away now, Joe, from week zero, Saturday, August 26th, 2023 and the start of the 2023 college football campaign. Joe Joe Klatt, he obviously is the lead college football analyst for Fox, does a great podcast called The Joe Klatt Show where he welcomes on a variety of guests. And most recently, he had on Alabama's head coach, Nick Saban. And Joe, if you remember when Nick Saban was doing the politicking last year, trying to convince the committee that because TCU lost in the Big 12 championship game or because Ohio State didn't play in the Big 10 title game, that Alabama would have been booked as a favorite against three of the four teams that made the college football playoff really outside of Georgia. And he was trying to say, if it's about getting the best teams, trying to qualify and win a national championship, then Alabama, clearly one of the best teams in college football, Nick Saban forgot they lost two games where they were booked as a touchdown or more favorite but he still had that idea I guess on the Joel Klatt show Joe he had this to say recently do you really think quote but do you really get the best teams when they told me that we would be favored against three out of the four teams that got in the playoff I'm like why aren't we in the playoffs that was what Nick Saban, Joe, had to say on the Joel Klatt show. What is your reaction to Nick Saban's take on the four-team format of the college football playoff?
4: Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the one year that he doesn't get into the college football playoff and he's complaining, yes, on paper, you could book Alabama as a favorite in every single game, but that's why they play the games. Right, Nick? I mean, you lost two road games to both SEC opponents in Tennessee and LSU when you had an opportunity to pull the ball games out in overtime, respectively, and you you didn't get it done. And at the end of the day, you know, we're not about participation trophies in that regard. I understand what he's saying in terms of, yes, you know, from an athletic standpoint and a player standpoint, Alabama recruits as good as anybody in the country, and they most likely on paper deserve to be in the playoff based off of what they have in terms of a roster. But at the end of the day, their resume was not that strong last year. Where was the marquee win? Where was the marquee win for the Alabama Crimson Tide last year? I mean, tell me about it. They had an opportunity against Hennon Hooker, against Jaden Daniels. They did not do it, and this has been the argument about college football for the last 30 years. This is what fuels the sport. Teams that maybe should have gotten in, in terms of the BCS and the the college football playoff, you know, a, a few years ago, and we're arguing about the fifth and sixth best teams but at the end of the day that's why they play the football games you win all your games you don't have an argument at that standpoint meaning you don't have to worry just win everything and that's it that's what separates college football from the NFL and all the major league leagues that are out there Ben. I didn't
3: realize Nick Saban was such a fan of handicapping, Joe. I didn't yeah. realize he was such an all odds sudden, maker in how this all breaks out, right? It's pretty crazy when you think about it because then they should have beat Tennessee as a nine point favorite in Neyland. Obviously, that's a win retroactively for Alabama. So there you go. There's another win for Alabama last year on October 15th. And then the other game they lost on the road in Death Valley, yeah, they were on the road in primetime against the Bayou Bengals, but they lost in overtime. Joe's a nearly two touchdown favorite, laying 13 and a half points. That's another win for Alabama. So Nick Saban's right. They actually went 12-0, a perfect 12-0 in the regular season, and they should have been in the college football playoff. They actually would have qualified for the SEC championship game, but they probably would have been booked as an underdog against Georgia Joe. So they probably would have lost that game if we just follow the odds that Nick Saban likes to tout here.
4: Yeah, well, that's it, right? You know, this is the one year that he had a chip on his shoulder because it was it was up for up for argument with TCU losing in terms of the Big 12 championship game. If TCU wins, right? There's no argument from that point. There's no argument from any
3: point. I'm poking fun at Nick Saban. I appreciate politicking. I appreciate questioning. I appreciate trying to be the needle in a side. But this is ridiculous. And this is why we play the football games. Nick, if things were so easy, it wouldn't be Texas by three scores on the road in Austin. But you won by one because your kicker made a field goal. We'll come back and talk more about this because now I'm heated and ready to spew out a little bit of vitriol on this Monday on Football Full
4: Circle
3: You're listening to football full circle with Joe Lisi and Ben Stevens. We are back live right here on football full circle and Nick Saban's conjecture Joe giving us a little bit of something to start our week off with a discussion here on FFC. He's Joe Lisi. I am Ben Stevens. Uh, Last December Joe. Nick Saban was going around during conference championship weekend as Alabama sat idle at home, not qualifying as the champions of the SEC West to reach the SEC title game because they lost to LSU. They lost twice in the regular season, two SEC conference losses, and thus LSU represented the West with the tiebreaker victory over Alabama in that SEC championship game. And because they had some time, Joe, off from the actual gridiron, not playing in a conference championship game for just the third time in the past nine years, in the SEC. Nick Saban, of course, was going around the media outlets. He was talking to anybody who would let him speak about Alabama most likely being booked as a favorite against any of the teams you would put up in the college football playoff outside of Georgia. And because of that, Alabama was clearly, as the odds makers would see it, one of the best teams in college football. How would the tide be left out of the Final Four for the CFP? Well, of course, Alabama missed the college football playoff for just the second time in nine years that we have had this CFP system. And Joe, he doubled down on this take on the Joe Clatt Show. Earlier, uh, I guess last week, I'm not entirely sure when he said that, but here was the quote again. But do you really get the best teams? When they told me that we would be favored against three of the four teams that got in the playoff, I'm like, why aren't we in the playoffs? That was the question from Nick Saban. Joe, Alabama was booked as at least a touchdown favorite in all 13 of their games a season ago. The issue for Nick Saban is you actually have to play the games because they lost two of those games where they were booked as a touchdown or more favorite, as a nine-point favorite on the road in Rocky Top against Tennessee, as a 13 and a half-point favorite on the road in Death Valley against LSU. And Joe, because they played those games and lost those games despite being booked as a touchdown or more favorite, Alabama did not make the college football playoff. It seems pretty simple to me, but I guess there's something about the betting lines that go into games, Joe, that Nick Saban has hung up on.
4: Well, you know, part of it, too, is that, you know, in, in recent years, especially at the early part of the year, right, week one, uh, you know, coming right out of the gate, Alabama used yeah. to play, you know, some of the top, teams in the country you know they squared off with the likes of obviously Michigan USC VATEC and they had their week two game against Texas like you mentioned a 20 and a half point favorite and they struggled yep. to even win that ball game. and there were some questionable questionable calls in those games remember the Bryce Young intentional grounding call was he sacked wasn't he sacked that could yep. have potentially swung in favor of Texas and have a safety and an intentional grounding and maybe they don't win that game and we're not even you know Nick doesn't even have the right to discuss this because maybe they lose three games instead of two last year but at the end of the day because it's Alabama because he's win, won seven national championships six at Alabama in Tuscaloosa and he's on the outside looking in obviously he wants something to complain about it's obvious you know yeah. at the end of the day Jameson Williams went down in the national championship game a couple of, couple of years ago and maybe in his mind he thinks that if he was in there, Alabama could have beaten Georgia. I don't believe that because of how the defense played in the second half, and that defense hasn't been as dominant that we've seen under Nick Saban in recent years. I think we're starting to see a slow regression, but at the end of the day, you know, he is the guy. The SEC loves him. Sankey loves him, so when Nick speaks, everybody listens, right? But you know what? I'm happy that the committee didn't even put in or think about Alabama IN yeah. THE EQUATION, BECAUSE OF THE TWO LOSSES. YOU CANNOT HAVE TWO LOSSES AND ALL OF A SUDDEN NOT A MARQUEE WIN ON YOUR RESUME AND ALL OF A SUDDEN CRACK THE COLLEGE FOOTBALL PLAYOFF. YOU CAN'T HAVE IT. Ben.
3: Completely so. Joe, we have never seen a team acquire two losses and play for a college football playoff national championship. There's never been a team in the nine-year system that we have had this format of the CFP lose two games in the regular season and make it to the college football playoff. Alabama would have bucked that trend, but it didn't happen because TCU made it to its conference championship game. And despite the loss, they still had a better pedigree than that of Alabama. Ohio State had one loss in the regular season, did not play for its conference championship game, Maybe Alabama had an argument there, but yet again, Alabama had two losses, and Ohio State only had one. Even the quality of resume, Joe, to your point, what was Alabama's best win a season ago? On the road in Texas? Yeah, they beat the Longhorns, but they were booked as a three-touchdown favorite, laying 21 points on the road against UT, and then had the backup Hudson Card for two-and-a-half quarters of that game. Was it their win at home against Mississippi? Was it their win at home against A&M when they were booked as a 24-point favorite against the Aggies and won that game by four, having to make a defensive stand on the final play of the game? The game was in the Grove in Oxford against Ole Miss my apologies but still booked as a hefty favorite in that football game Joe Lisi laying 11 and a half points on the road they only won by single digits a single score 30 to 24 in fact Alabama was just three four and one against the spread in conference games last year Joe again booked as at least a nine point favorite or greater in all of those games the reason I belabor the point spread Joe outside of the fact what we do here on the sports grid network is to echo Nick Saban's point by disproving everything he is saying about if you are booked as a favorite you should win the football game you should but oftentimes or sometimes Joe you don't or you don't cover it in the way that it's supposed to be and that's why we play for the competition between the actual white lines on the football field
4: oh absolutely and I'll say this about the two loss football team if and I, I'll throw out the if okay <clears throat> if LSU last year did not lose to Texas A&M on the last regular season game right. and potentially knocked off Georgia in the SEC championship game they would have had a better argument as a two-loss team to crack the college football playoff than Alabama. I'm sorry, because they lost by one to FSU. They got boat raced by Tennessee. But the way they ended the season, or potentially would have ended the season, right, wins over Georgia, Alabama, uh, right, and A&M at the end of the year, a team that obviously Alabama struggled with, like you mentioned, if they were able to accomplish that, they might have been the first two-loss team to, to get into the college football playoff because they were an SEC champion and because of the way they got there. That I'll just throw that out there. If we're talking any two-loss team, it would have to take that type of road to get there as opposed to losing two tight road games and not a marquee top 25 win. I mean, Joe, there is a certain pedigree
3: we know, of course, of making it to your conference championship game. Alabama failed to do that. You don't really get a say. If their second loss came against Georgia in a conference championship game, maybe. But these are all contingencies, right? These are all hypothetical what-ifs. And the thing about what-ifs is you don't ever have an answer for them it allows the hypothetical conjecture and conversation but what we're talking about here are specifics and actual numbers and things that are tied Joe it doesn't matter that Alabama was a 13 and a half point favorite albeit on the road against LSU it makes no difference because they didn't win the football game what actually happened and what will be what we remember and stacks up in history when you look back on that is 32 points for LSU only 31 for Alabama and thus by the way that sports works the Tigers won the football game so that's. That's really what this comes down to, right? And it's just funny to me, Joe, that even at this point, Nick Saban is continuing this belief. There's one final year of the four-team system in the college football playoff. No doubt, Joe, if there was 12 teams in last year's CFP, Alabama would have been one of them. There's zero doubt in the world. And maybe as a six-seed or a seven-seed, they would have been able to make a run in the college football playoff. It's part of the reason people love the expansion of 12 teams, the opportunity for the best in the sport to have some postseason success but that still does not discredit a regular season where if you're booked as a favorite, even on the road, even in conference games, and you're expected to win, if you lose those games, they are blemishes on your resume and can simply not be passed over because you were expected to win as the favorite on the betting spread in terms of those games. We'll continue the conversation. Up next here on Football Full Circle, we're having some fun to start off the new week on FFC. Myself, Ben Stevens, and You're listening to football full circle with Joe Lisi and Ben Stevens. We are back here on FFC. It is football full circle. Live on the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius XM Channel 159. So, Joe, 2023 is an interesting year coming up in college football, right? Because we have so much changing that will alter the landscape of this sport we love so much in 2024. The Big Ten expands with USC and UCLA. The SEC expands with Texas and Oklahoma. The additions to the Southeastern Conference and all of that coincides siding, Joe, with when the college football playoff expands to 12 teams for the first time. So 2023 is the 10th year since the unveiling of the college football playoff, and it will be the final year that only four teams make it to the CFP, Joe, obviously still in the chase for a national championship. We know the format. It's the five power five conference champions, and then it's the highest ranked group of five conference champion with six at larges after that. And the way the format is going to work, Joe, for the 12 team, it's the four highest ranked. Conference champions that will get that opening weekend by and then teams five through eight will have the home field advantage of an on campus game that I think is absolutely awesome in that opening round. The winners of those games advance now to what we would call the quarterfinals and then so on and so forth with the semifinals played at the ball sites that. We know. So here's the interesting thing, Joe. We're talking about Alabama, right, where Nick Saban made his comments on the Joel Klatt show that they would have been booked as a favorite against three of the four teams in the college football playoff last year. Not Georgia, but they would have been favorite against Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. But we play the football games, and that's why Alabama, losing twice last year, did not make it to the college football playoff. But the Crimson Tide, Joe, were ranked fifth in the final college football playoff rankings, which puts them just on the outside looking in if we were to pay it forward to 2024 in that 12-team format, if you look at the conference champions, Clemson – And Utah would have been teams ranked three and four behind Georgia and Michigan because Clemson and Utah at seventh and eighth, respectively, won the ACC in the Pac-12. So they would have had the opening round buys. Kansas State winning the Big 12 would have automatically qualified. And Tulane, the highest ranked group of five champion, the champions out of the American, would have been in the group of 12 as well, which means the at-large bids, Joe, would have been TCU, Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee, and USC, and I believe Penn State if I'm missing a team in there. So those would have been the 12 teams. Alabama would have had an opportunity, Joe Lisi, to not only make the college football playoff in a 12-team format, but host a game in Brian Denny for the opening round. So it seems as though Nick Saban is probably in favor of expansion based on his comments today.
4: Yeah, I mean, in an expanded uh, 12-team playoff, if Alabama has two losses, believe it or not, they're going to get the nod over anybody else. I I don't care who's there. I mean, it's Alabama, it's Nick Saban. I mean, barring that those two losses, let's say, are blowouts, they're going to get in moving forward in the 12-team playoff. Any SEC team that has two losses is going to get the nod over somebody else. That's just the way it is. You know that as well as anybody else. Is that the, you know the committee in recent years loves the SEC, and, and we've seen it now. You know, at the end of the day, though, you have to win your regular season games. That's what it comes Great. down to. Moving forward, obviously TCU last year, if we had 12, was still obviously deserving to be in the playoff. Alabama as well. I don't know about USC, the way they lost the Pac-12 championship with Caleb Williams being hurt, and in that situation, even though he rebounded against Tulane and still lost that ball game. I wouldn't have put them in off of their body of work last year in a 12-team playoff. I would have put Tennessee in there over USC. But, you know, that's why we have this debate and why we have this argument, right? At the end of the day, you want the best teams vying for a national championship. You don't want mediocrity. You don't want 500 teams. You don't want five and seven teams playing in a ball game. You want the best product available, and hopefully this allows – this to play out you know obviously next season but uh, Nick Saban you know he just loves he also loves the media hype right when the media hype is on another program like LSU and Georgia respectively leave it up to Nick to make some noise so that the cameras go back to him absolutely
3: so and joe in that expanded 12 team format that i mentioned tcu would have been ranked fifth because they were the highest ranked at-large bid ohio state at number six alabama seven kansas state earning the automatic bid would have been eight those four teams would have hosted the opening round and then we would have had the other at-larges like we mentioned with tennessee checking in there as well Or actually tennessee might have been hosting Kansas State, I don't know, and then USC, Penn State, and Tulane in the mix as well. That's how things would have looked last year in the 12-team format. We'll see what it looks like in 2023. Now, Joe, it is interesting when you look at Alabama, right? Because we have a big question for the Crimson Tide entering this season. A new offensive coordinator, a new offensive scheme under Tommy Reese. He makes his way from South Bend now to Tuscaloosa. Joe, it feels like over the past five years, this is probably the year we enter, examining the Crimson Tide with the most skepticism, the most questions that still need to be answered. Who is going to be that quarterback? Is it the Notre Dame transfer reuniting with his former OC, Tyler Buckner, now in Tuscaloosa? Is it Jalen Milrow that we saw fill in for an injured Bryce Young a season ago, or is it Ty Simpson, a guy that but certainly in this quarterback heat as well. Joe, when all is said and done, do you expect the starter for Alabama to be named prior to week one? And who do you expect that to be?
4: I think it's Milrow, and I think it's I think it's right up to the last week. I really believe mm-hmm. that. I don't think it's Buckner. I, I, maybe it's me. I, I mean, the, uh, Buckner's going to go from Notre Dame. He, he struggled last year. It was good, but not great. You play at Alabama. You need elite quarterback play. You really do. Think about the oh, quarterbacks yeah. that they have had: Tua, uh, obviously Mac Jones, and now uh, Bryce Young, a Heisman Trophy candidate. I mean, Bryce Young completed seventy percent of his passes almost. I mean, you know, I mean, amazing only 12 interceptions over his two year, you know, the last two years over 8,000 passing yards, 72 touchdowns. I mean, do we really think that Nick Saban's going to turn to Tyler Buckner? I mean, maybe I would rather go with a mobile quarterback like Milrow, even though he was a little inconsistent. Hopefully Tommy Reese can coach him up because of the versatility and because he's in Alabama it's a different animal you know that Ben and I'm, this is a, not a knock on Notre Dame but when you go from any program to the creme de la creme in the SEC the pressure's on to start and, and deliver immediately and if Buckner struggles when week one what is that to say they have a week two game with Texas on on in, coming to Tuscaloosa you can't mess yeah. up otherwise you're going to be out before you even get started.
3: It's really interesting, by the way, to know that Alabama is only a touchdown favorite at home against Texas, where last year on the road, Alabama was a three-touchdown favorite against Texas. I think it speaks to some optimism, of course, for the Longhorns and these questions for the Crimson Tide, whose win total for 2023, Joe, is 10.5, and the under has the heavy juice at minus one. 84. If the odds are to follow suit here in the regular season, it's another 10 and 2 year for the Crimson Tide which based on the 9-year history of the college football playoff and no two lost team ever making it to the CFP, Alabama would be in danger of missing it for a second consecutive year. And Alabama has only missed two college football playoffs in the 9-year history of this format of crowning a national champion. I will be interested to see, Joe, because Tyler Buckner, I think, got a bad rap in South Bend. I think he actually played really well under Tommy Reese. He was okay against Ohio State in a game that was more competitive than we expected in the opener. And then he was banged up against Marshall. Never really got the opportunity. And then Drew Pine got in there, and things went haywire for Notre Dame, of course, against Marshall before the Fighting Irish rebounded, winning eight of their last nine a season ago, but this is a conversation about Alabama. Jalen Milrow, Joe, is a co- uh, is a guy that I'm very intrigued by. We saw him do some f- uh, sensational things when he filled in for Bryce Young against Arkansas, running for more than 90 yards, a little bit shaky in his first career start, of course, in Tuscaloosa against AM, a game where Bama was booked as a 24-point favorite, escapes with a four-point victory made mainly on the defensive side of the football. But, Joe, for all of Nick Saban's success, success. Really, you have to give him credit for adaptations and adjustments he has made offensively in the last decade because up through 2015, what was this Alabama team? They were known for otherworldly defenses, really good running backs, and that's how they were going to beat you. It was more a pro-style offense, but Nick Saban saw the writing on the wall and where college football was evolving, too. He brings in guys like Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian and Bill O'Brien and now Tommy Reese, who is one of the bright, young offensive coordinators at this level and in in this sport and he has tried to Joe incorporate a different type of offense certainly more RPO based certainly a little bit more air raid in its nature or at least more passing fo- focused for this Crimson Tide team and you really think about what the last six seasons Joe in Tuscaloosa very solidified quarterback play entering a season Jalen Hurts, of course, Jalen Hurts gives way to Tua Tungabailoa in the national championship game against Georgia a few years back. And then he comes in to replace Tua when Tua was injured in the SEC championship game. But really, those two guys solidified the quarterback position in this new system under Lane Kiffin and then Steve Sarkeesian. From there, it was Mac Jones with all the offensive pieces at his disposal. And then Bryce Young for the past two years, where in 2021, Joe, he became the first Alabama quarterback ever – to win a Heisman Trophy following a year where Mac Jones was the runner-up, and it was only because a wide receiver, Devontae Smith, won the award out of the Crimson Tide. That was the evolution to a T, Joe, of this Crimson Tide offense. So it's an interesting now evolution for Nick Saban of what that offense looks like with quarterback questions entering 2023. Will it be Ty Simpson? Will it be Tyler Buckner? Or will it be Jalen Milrow? We'll continue the conversation up next year on Football Full Story circle live on the sports grid radio network come back and join us
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
5: You're listening
3: to Football Full Circle with Joe Lisi and Ben Stevens. We are back live right here on Football Full Circle, Sirius XM Channel 159 and all across the Sports Grid Radio Network. Joe Lisi, how did you spend your Father's Day yesterday? What was on tap? What did you do? What was the celebration like?
4: It was almost like a scene from the Jersey Shore, gym tan laundry. I woke up, I had uh, straight to the gym for a 40-minute workout, Ben. We then, uh, me and the kids, went straight to the beach for about three and a half hours, and then we stuffed our face with the family at dinner late at night. So that's, uh, we went out to eat as a family. That was it.
3: That's a beautiful thing, Joe. It's a beautiful thing. Here's how Jordan Love spent his Father's Day. He made a video TO BEARS FANS, AND HE SAID HAPPY FATHER'S DAY TO ALL THE BEARS FANS OUT THERE. PRETTY MUCH JORDAN LOVE IMPLYING, JOE, THAT GREEN BAY OWNS THE BEARS. CHICAGO IS GREEN BAY'S SON yet the phrasing of it actually is the other way around. He's referencing Father's Day to the Bears, which would make Chicago the father, in this case, and Green Bay the son. Very confusing, very, very confusing, Joe. But ultimately, the point being, Jordan Love is engaging in a little bit of talk back and forth this summer between the Bears and the Packers. There's been some words said in the last week, Joe, as we've been around mandatory minicamp and OTAs and some of these off-season organizations, Between these two sides, as it's a new era for both teams, and certainly in this rivalry with Aaron Rodgers, a man that once scored on Chicago and yelled into the cameras, I own you, I own you, is no longer there as the Packers quarterback. Joe, what do you make of the war of words currently between Green Bay and Chicago?
4: I may, Well, listen, I'll just say this. If he wants to come out and say, who's your daddy? I mean, you know, don't you think he should at least, you know, beat the Bears first before he's out there saying that? I mean, it's all been Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'm high on Green Bay this year. I think they get over their 7.5 win total this year, and, and actually at plus 350 can win the division. But you shouldn't be doing it in the offseason when one of our guys, you know, Justin Fields at the helm, because he'll take that personally. He'll run with it. And that's the last thing we need if you're taking Green Bay to win the division. I think, you know, Chicago will be much improved. Hopefully those offensive playmakers will benefit Justin Fields. But at the end of the day, I think it's Jordan Love's time. Now he has to show it on the field. You know what? Close your mouth. Win a couple of games this year, especially against the Bears. Then maybe he can, you know, continue the momentum. Why are you giving people bulletin board material before the season even starts? Beyond me. It's interesting, Joe,
3: because there's some context here. There's a man by the name of Chris who is a Bears fan from France, I believe, and he asked Jordan Love to film this video. Now, What was happening was he was asking Jordan Love to film this video wishing a Happy Father's Day to all the fans in France of the bears. And Jordan Love forgot to mention the word French in front of Happy Father's Day to the French bears out there. And then it led to this sort of drama. But again, very strange, and we're just having some fun here in the offseason. Jordan Love has not taken a snap against the Chicago Bears. Jordan Love, of course, has only started two games in his National Football League career because Aaron Rodgers was really the guy for quite some time. He was banged up last year. Jordan Love got the start against the Kansas City Chiefs, and then Jordan Love started week 17, or week 18, excuse me, the finale for Green Bay in 2021 because the Packers had already solidified their claim on the NFC's number one overall seed. But he did not see, Joe that is Jordan Love a ton of action last year Aaron Rodgers was healthy started all 17 games for Green Bay Joe what is your expectation we've talked about this a few times here how you actually have a higher optimism or ceiling level for Green Bay entering 2023 than that of the New York Jets where Aaron Rodgers of course places football now what do you think Jordan Love will be able to lead Green Bay to in 2023?
4: Well, I think he can lead him to a division title. It's not going to be easy, obviously, but I think the foundation is there. Now, I think, obviously, the North isn't as strong, potentially, as the AFC East. That's another reason why I'm not backing, you know, obviously, Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. I think the Bills will be there, the Dolphins, and we have to see when New England, you know, comes to, uh, comes to this year and bounces into. But at the end of the day, I love the rushing attack of Green Bay. They bring back Aaron Jones for another year. The Grand and pound attack of A.J. Dillon I like what they did in terms of the offseason moves solidifying again the defense Uh, that defense became very opportunistic look at you know Romeo Dubs and obviously Christian Watson how they developed into wide receivers last year they're a young team Ben and at the end of the day if the rushing attack could be as dominant as they were in the early part of the season that could take the pressure off of Jordan Love he's had every opportunity to develop and understand the playbook there is no reason why he just can't come in and plug and play now duplicating Hall of Fame numbers I don't think so but as long as he doesn't turn the football over I think he can win ball games and definitely get over the seven and a half and be potentially a 10 win ball club this year
3: you know what's a really interesting thing Joe Lisi is this follows the format or the model that Green Bay has employed over the last three decades. Brett Favre was the starter for 16 years. Aaron Rodgers was drafted in 2004, sat on the bench for three years, late in the first round, which was a little bit surprising at that time, and maybe pissed off Brett Favre, and then entering year number four, the Packers moved on from Favre. Aaron Rodgers became the starter. What happened here? Jordan Love, of course, drafted in 2020, sat on the bench for three years, pissed off Aaron Rodgers that he was taken in the first round when nobody expected that to be the case, and now entering year number four, Jordan Love is their quarterback of the future. Will it be another decade plus of consistency at the quarterback spot where very few teams, Joe, have seen this level of consistency in the history of their NFL organizations? I'm not so sure, but the Packers clearly believe this is the path forward. Joe, this all comes after last week. Justin Jones, a defensive tackle for the Chicago Bears at Mandatory Minicamp, was meeting with the media afterward, and they started talking about the Green Bay Packers, and he called Packers fans, quote, uh obnoxious, half of them don't even know football, and then wishes Aaron Rodgers was still in Green Bay. So when Chicago beats up on the Packers this upcoming season, Aaron Rodgers would still be there to take it all in. I will say this the Bears don't really have a leg to stand on in terms of crap talking other teams but I do love the idea Joe of this rivalry still meaning things to the players in these organizations and we're going to see that play out in 2023.
4: Oh we are you know now now which quarterback do you believe is going to take the next step right Jordan Love I mean, has been the man in waiting and we we, we believe that it's going to be a breakout year for Justin Fields. Again. I don't like what the Chicago Bears did in the offseason when we worked the draft. That was a perfect opportunity to get younger, wide receiver talent to help out Justin Fields. That is the Achilles heel, in my opinion, of this ball club, why I'm not 100% dialed in. And the fact that Floos is a defensive-minded coach, he would much want to, much rather run it 90% of the time as a, as opposed to just letting Justin Fields cook and improvise And that's why I'm more involved into Green Bay from the divisional aspect. But I still think Justin Fields is going to surprise a ton of people this year. Love the rivalry. And I think it's a breakout season for him. I think he'll will this team to at least eight or nine wins in 2023.
3: There was a report, Joe, over the weekend of Justin Fields and how he looked at minicamp with people saying around the National Football League, quote, Justin Fields is miles ahead of where he was last year at the conclusion of minicamp. One NFL scout recently said he would be, quote, shocked if Fields isn't an MVP candidate. Joe, my first bet of this NFL offseason was Justin Fields over 2,875 and a half passing yards. The simple reason being, Joe Lisi, that if he is going to be their franchise quarterback, and the Bears are going to take a step forward. Justin Fields has to throw for over 2,875 passing yards. just has to happen. or he's not going to be the successful quarterback we expect to see here as he takes that jump. Joe, right now, Justin Fields, the 10th best price, excuse me, the 11th best price to win NFL MVP this season at 20 to 1 ahead of guys like Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Jordan Love, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Kenny Pickett, so on and so forth. There is an idea, Joe, that Justin Fields is going to be that guy ran for over a thousand yards on the ground last year, the second most rushing yards in a single season by a quarterback in NFL history, only behind Lamar Jackson, who ran for more than 1200 during his NFL MVP winning season in 2019. Joe, you know, you and I have been like this since the 2020 Big Ten football season. Nobody has been higher on Justin Fields than you and I, the optimism how he got overlooked in the draft and where he will be now entering year number three of his National Football League career. There are many detractors who have made the point that Justin Fields has never thrown for 300 yards in a football game. I get all of that. It's the idea that if he is going to be that guy, he's going to be the quarterback of the future for this Bears franchise, it starts in year three, and it starts obviously with more prolific passing numbers than what we have seen so far in his opening two years.
4: Yeah, again, you know, he's a product of the system right now. That offensive Mm -hmm. line was atrocious. They wanted to run it with David Montgomery when he was there, and Cole Komet, more of a, I want to say, structured passing attack. But at the end of the day, if you want to see true Justin Fields, you open up the offense, you put five wide, you have speed on the perimeter, and you allow him to cook and improvise. I don't understand why they're forcing the square peg in the round hole I understand you want them to develop a certain way, but how can you do it with the wide receivers on that roster? Why aren't they all in then on DeAndre Hopkins? Get him some more help. I don't understand. There is no speed on the perimeter for this team. When they went with Velas Jones last year, an aging wide receiver out of Tennessee, wasn't even a, a, a great wide receiver in the SEC. That was who yeah. they chose to give him talent. I mean, it just makes absolutely no sense that the absolute organization is doing them um, an injustice put playmakers around them just the way they did against Jalen Hurts in Philly AJ Brown Devonte Smith you could have that type of trajectory with Justin Fields this season
3: Now, I will say, Joe, of course, they drafted an offensive lineman in the top ten for Chicago this year. They are trying to protect Justin Fields, who was sacked 55 times a season ago, tied for the most in the National Football League alongside Russell Wilson. They did not really address young wide receivers or skill position players offensively, but they did – tried to, Joe, restore some of the issues they had glaringly so on the defensive side of the football. They were the worst scoring defense in the National Football League last year, giving up more than 27 points per game, and that average ticked up over the final month where they allowed 35 points per game on average in their final three weeks. So they did have a ton of glaring issues as well, Joe. They needed to address on the defensive side of the football, and that was a clear priority for the Chicago Bears in the 2023 NFL draft as well.
4: It was, but and Ben, but at the end of the day, you have to have an identity for your organization, and that has to take an offensive hold, right? Look at all the great quarterbacks in the AFC and NFC. It's built with weapons. Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs, right? Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Lamar now, OBJ, and obviously Rashad Bateman, right? So those weapons that they have chose to give those quarterbacks are a main reason why they're developing, Right? Who has Justin Fields had over the past couple of seasons? He's had basically pedestrian wide receivers. Give him number one round talents and then you'll see his progression.
3: Yeah, they drafted a ton of defensive guys, Joe, like we mentioned in the 2023 NFL draft. They're hoping that D.J. Moore, who they acquired in the trade with Carolina to move back, from the first overall pick can not be that guy they're not all too thrilled reportedly with how jace claypool has looked during these organized off-season workouts as a team but they gave up a virtual second round draft pick that almost was a first round draft pick for claypool this past nfl season i hope there is a jump for justin Fields' sake and of course my passing yards prop for the season-long perspective for fields more
2: ffc up next
3: You're listening to Football Full Circle with Joe Lisi and Ben Stevens. We are back live right here on Football Full Circle. Sirius XM, Channel 159 all across the Sports Grid Radio Network. He's the mastermind of the pigskin. That is Joe Lisi. I am Ben Stevens. So, Joe, we talk about the rivalry between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Both organizations, Joe, entering the 2023 NFL season, have the same win total. 7.5 for both the Bears and the Packers. The Packers slightly more juice to the over. Minus 115 to the over of 7.5 for green Bay's win total Joe but it's minus 112 to the over for the seven and a half win total for the Bears again incredibly similar numbers for these two rivals that have sparked up a little conversation here in this last week in the offseason Joe you pick one team right now who wins more games in 2023
4: I would say it's green Bay and it's just because I like what they have in terms of the skilled talent Uh, And I don't like, I do not like what Eberflus and the staff did to help out Justin Fields. But I think Justin Fields could get, like I said, to eight or nine. But I'm picking Green Bay to win the division. You are picking Green Bay to win the NFC
3: North. Right now, the Packers, that third best price in the division, Joe. It's plus 350 behind the Lions, the Vikings, but 70 cents in front of the Bears. Chicago, the fourth and longest price at plus 420. Joe, to your point. Green Bay did make some additions this offseason as well. Jaden Reed, the wide receiver out of Michigan State. They had two tight ends in the second round. Tucker Kraft out of South Dakota State. Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State that they added. And of course, their entire wide receiver core is rather young right now, highlighted by Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. They are very young on the offensive side of the football, Lisi, with Jordan Love included. Aaron Jones is one of their veterans. He's only 28 years old. And of course, A.J. Dillon, younger than that in the backfield. As well, Joe Lisi. This was fun, right?
4: Yeah, always been always fun. Can't wait for tomorrow. This is what it's all about, right? Always You know it. Yes, you always Take it know it. Tagline, baby. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow
3: on football full circle. He's Joe Lisi. I am Ben Stevens. But up next here on Sports Grid Radio, it's the money line.